Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Three months ago, my wife and I decided to take a drive up. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mary's Peak Road in Oregon. 
We were excited to explore the highest mountain in the state's coast range, towering at 4,097 feet. The weather was crisp and cool, with plenty of snow still covering the peak in mid-April. As we were coming down the mountain around 4.30 p.m., we spotted a beautiful waterfall surrounded by wildflowers. The sight was too enchanting to pass up, so we decided to stop and take in the view. I remember stepping out of the car, the chilly air nipping at my exposed skin, and feeling a sudden, inexplicable sensation. It was as if the hair on my neck stood on end, and for a moment, time itself seemed to freeze. Just then, I heard a faint tink-tink on the ground, followed by a flash past the car window. Startled, I looked down and saw an old, rusty, dented, blue two-pound coffee can lying near us. It looked like it was from a brand I recognized, maybe Maxwell? If I had been standing outside at that moment, it would have hit me. The sudden impact and the strangeness of the object made my heart race with fear. Panicked, my wife and I immediately got back in the car and prepared to leave. As I glanced back towards the road, I caught a glimpse of a tall, blurry, reddish-brown figure standing about 200 feet away, just beyond the guardrail. My mind raced, trying to make sense of what I was seeing. Was it just a tree, or could it have been something more? I've always been fascinated by the stories of Bigfoot and have read extensively about the elusive creature. Although I couldn't be sure, the figure I saw that day bore a striking resemblance to the descriptions I've come across in my research. I've heard accounts of Bigfoot throwing objects to scare away intruders, and the coffee can seem to fit the bill. I couldn't help but wonder if we had unintentionally stumbled upon its territory. We didn't stick around long enough to find out. The fear and uncertainty that gripped us in that moment were enough to send us on our way, leaving the mysterious figure and the unexplained coffee can behind. To this day, I can't say for certain what we encountered on Mary's Peak Road, but a part of me hopes that it was indeed a Bigfoot, reminding us that some things in this world are still left to be discovered. I had always been drawn to the quiet beauty of the hills near Silverton. As a park ranger, I was fortunate to spend my days surrounded by nature's splendor. I thought I knew the landscape like the back of my hand, but one incident would change my perspective forever. It started with a phone call from a distressed woman named Linda. She told me that her mother and sister had encountered something strange and terrifying near their home in the hills. She described it as a troll a short, hairy creature that marched back and forth in front of their house. Her family was so frightened that they had fled to a motel for the night. Intrigued and concerned, I decided to investigate. I drove out to their house, nestled in the heart of the hills, and began my search. As I approached the property, a sense of unease washed over me. The air seemed heavy, as if the very atmosphere was warning me to turn back. I pressed on, stepping out of my vehicle and scanning the area for any signs of the mysterious creature. The ground was covered in a thick layer of leaves, which made it difficult to discern any tracks or traces. As I walked around the house, I couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched. Suddenly, I heard a rustling sound coming from a nearby thicket. Heart pounding, I approached cautiously, my hand resting on the pepper spray attached to my belt. As I pulled back the branches, 
I was met with the sight of the creature Linda's family had described. It was short, no more than four feet tall, and covered in coarse, matted hair. It stared at me with beady eyes that seemed to pierce my very soul. Then, without warning, it began to march back and forth, just as Linda's mother and sister had recounted. I stood there, frozen in shock and disbelief, as the creature continued its bizarre display. It seemed uninterested in me, focused solely on its repetitive pacing. I knew I had to do something, but what could a park ranger like me do against such an unknown being? Gathering my courage, I shouted at the creature, hoping to scare it away. To my surprise, it stopped and looked at me, its eyes narrowing with curiosity. I took a step forward, my voice firm but shaky, you need to leave this place. You're scaring the people who live here. The creature tilted its head, as if considering my words, and then, without a sound, it turned and disappeared into the forest. I stood there for a moment, processing what had just happened, before hurrying back to my vehicle. This is a nest sighting, not an actual creature sighting. I was a member of an archaeology survey crew, and we had hiked in along an old, overgrown logging RR grade on the side of Pelican Butte. This grade took off from an old, closed logging road. We were approximately one mile from the end of the closed road, when we found a very large nest on the ground, which measured about seven feet in diameter. It was constructed of pine needles and small twigs. The nest material was about 8 to 12 feet in height. It was about 150 meters, yards, uphill from the old grade that we were following. The only reason we found it at all was because a crew member saw a spotted owl in a tree up the hill and we went up to get a closer look. The owl flew up the hill a bit farther, and we followed, trying to catch a good glimpse of the owl as most of us had never seen one in the wild. That's when we noticed the huge nest on the ground. Was the owl leading us there? All six crew members felt it was a Bigfoot nest. We reported it to the wildlife biologist back at the office, and he said there are some large birds that make nests on the ground, which can be up to three feet in diameter, such as cranes, but he's never heard of one that large. Also, cranes nest in meadows, near water, not on the side of a mountain, several miles from water. When we suggested a Bigfoot nest, he just shrugged and said maybe. This was a very remote location, and hadn't been logged in years, probably since the 1950s. We also discovered a very old logging camp, archaeology site, dating from the early 1900s which had old glass bottles, still intact, which was evidence that no one had been there in a very long time, as most other old sites which were in more accessible places had been looted for the glass bottles. Point being, this was an area where no one goes, so if this were a hoax, it's a terrible place to do it, as chances are, no one is going to see it. Unfortunately, no one took a photo. I grew up in a small village surrounded by tales of the supernatural, but one story stood out from the rest, the legend of the Alma Pineda, or the woman without cold. It all started with a report from a local lady who claimed to have seen a mysterious woman walking barefoot on cold nights along the road where the oldest houses stood. 
This peculiar sight caught the villagers' attention, as it was common for people to wake up during the night to add more wood to their fireplaces to keep warm. Seeing someone outside at such late hours, especially during freezing temperatures, was unusual, to say the least. One fateful night, the village was startled by a series of blood-curdling screams emanating from beyond its borders. The sound was so dreadful that several men felt compelled to leave their homes and investigate. They believed someone must be in grave danger and set out to rescue whoever was in peril. As they approached a small forest on the outskirts of the village, they saw the source of the screams. It was the strange, barefoot woman from the earlier reports. She wasn't being attacked or threatened, she simply wandered out of the forest, screaming. The men quickly realized that this was no ordinary person. They were dealing with something beyond this world. Fearing the unknown, they extinguished their lanterns and hurried back to the village. From that night on, whenever they heard the terrifying screams, no one dared venture out. They knew it was the woman without cold, a being seemingly impervious to the frigid temperatures. The villagers couldn't determine whether she was a spirit or something else entirely, but her presence continued to haunt them. As a child, I remember lying in bed, my heart racing whenever I heard the eerie screams in the night. Despite my fear, I couldn't help but be captivated by the mystery of the woman without cold. Who was she, and what had brought her to our village? Years have passed, and I've since moved away from that small village, but the legend of the Alma Pineda has never left me. Even now, on cold winter nights, I can't help but look out the window and wonder if I might catch a glimpse of the enigmatic woman who once walked the streets of my childhood home, her chilling cries echoing through the night. For 30 long years, I've kept a secret that's haunted me, a secret so terrifying that I stopped going into the woods entirely. I've chosen to remain anonymous, but recent events have compelled me to finally share the harrowing experience that led me to avoid the Tennessee wilderness. It's a tale of fear, survival, and a brush with the unknown that changed my life forever. Three decades ago, I decided to spend a day hiking in the Smoky Mountains. I packed light, hiked a couple of miles into the woods, and set up camp with my two loyal canine companions. It was a perfect day, filled with exploration and the beauty of nature. As late afternoon arrived, I prepared to settle down and start a fire to warm up the campsite. However, my dog seemed unusually agitated, barking and growling at something in the distance. Although they had always managed to keep bears away before, I couldn't help but feel a twinge of concern. As night began to fall, I left the tent door open to enjoy the warm summer air. I settled in for the night with my dogs nestled close. Suddenly, I awoke to the bright moonlight illuminating the campsite and my dogs growling deeply. I then heard a strange, thrumming groan coming from outside the tent. As my eyes adjusted to the darkness, I could see a dark outline that resembled the shape of a bear, lurking just beyond the now cold embers of the campfire. I shouted at the figure, and to my surprise, it went quiet but then began to grow until it towered over the tent screen window. It was massive, unlike anything I had ever encountered outside of a zoo. My dogs continued to growl, their instincts telling them that this creature was not to be trusted. The creature inhaled a long, 
slow breath before letting out a trumpeting call that sounded like a mix of a lion's roar and a human shout. My dogs went silent, and the creature bolted away. Ignoring my commands, they pursued the creature into the darkness. Panicked, I grabbed my rifle and headlamp and followed them. I could hear their barking in the distance, but they moved too quickly for me to catch up. Then, I heard a maniacal laughing sound, like a hyena, coming from the same direction as my dogs. My dread grew, but I persisted, hoping to find them safe. As the night wore on and the barking faded, I knew I had to return to camp or risk becoming lost myself. I spent the night waiting, calling for my dogs occasionally, but they never returned. At dawn, I resumed my search, and hours later, I found one of them badly injured and whimpering in a thicket, the other torn to pieces. The loss of my dog's life hit me hard, and my surviving companion became fearful of both the night and the woods. I knew I had encountered something far worse than any bear or known predator that night. While checking a barbed wire enclosed spring, used to water cattle, I saw in the mud, within the barbed wire, a very large footprint. It was larger than my hand span wide and from my elbow to the tops of my second knuckles long. I am six feet tall. I collected tufts of black hair, which I still have. I turned around carefully checking my surroundings. The pines were wide, tall and dense. There was pine duff on the ground and quite old and deep. I took off my shoe and placed it alongside a footprint in the duff, as it was not safe inside the spring to do so. The print extended well beyond my size 11. I was looking at a track of something very large in height and weight. I placed my weight near the track in the pine duff to judge how much the maker of the track weighed. My guess was somewhere around 425 to 450 pounds after I compared the two. My 240 pounds made an impression only half as deep and there was more duff beneath the track so it was a very good guess. As to the height of the thing my best guess judging from the span of a non-hurrying stride, a normal step, was 7 feet 7 half feet tall. It took two of my normal walking strides to cover just one of its steps, from the right foot to the left foot imprint. I tracked it until I felt uncomfortable about going any higher up in elevation, and because of the density of undergrowth. This occurred during the dry season and this was accessible water for it. I thought it wise to return to my uncle's home, with his two young children, ages 11 and 8. On this east side of the Warners, the sun sets early even on a summer afternoon. Although I did not see it, I know they are out there. As to the exact location I wish that to be kept confidential, because my family do not wish the land to be overrun by flatland trackers. Growing up, I was always intrigued by the strange and mysterious stories my father would share from his business trips. He often stayed in run-down inns with shared rooms, where he met people from all walks of life. One of his stories still sends a shiver down my spine whenever I recall it. During one of his trips, my father was staying in a ramshackle inn when a couple arrived late in the evening, asking for directions to a nearby town. The innkeeper showed them the way but strongly advised against traveling at night, especially in the fog. Despite the couple's urgency, 
The innkeeper and his elderly wife insisted that they stay, warning them about the dangers of the road at night. Curious about their concerns, my father asked the couple why they were so nervous. He had walked through foggy nights before and never encountered any trouble. The couple, their faces pale and their voices hushed, shared their fears about a strange creature that had been seen in the area during the cold seasons for several years. They described the creature as a monster that lurked in the darkest forests, emerging only at night under the cover of the fog. People had spotted the creature walking along the roads, scaring the local residents. They said it resembled an ogre from ancient tales, much larger and stronger than any man. The shepherds who lived in the open fields had heard its terrifying roars in the night, but their dogs wouldn't dare bark until daybreak. When morning came, they would find the creature's massive footprints on the ground. Once, a group of villagers ventured into the forest to hunt the creature down, but the dense woods and darkness deterred them from staying overnight, fearing that they would never return. The creature was never seen during the warmer months, but in the cold and foggy nights, it was better to stay indoors. As my father recounted this story to me, the hair on the back of my neck would stand on end, and I couldn't help but shudder at the thought of such a terrifying creature lurking in the shadows. Even though I never saw the creature myself, I couldn't shake off the feeling of unease that settled in whenever I was out on a cold, foggy night. Years later, I still find myself glancing over my shoulder, half expecting to catch a glimpse of the ogre-like monster that haunted my father's stories. Whether it was real or simply the product of the villagers' vivid imaginations, the legend of the fog creature will forever be etched in my memory, a chilling reminder of the unknown that may lurk just beyond our sight. The night of February 27, 2017, in the early a.m., I was staying at the Best Western in Big Bear. At approximately 12.35 a.m. I walked to my car alone to retrieve my luggage. It had been snowing and was extremely dark. My car was facing a country road. When I hit the unlock button on my car, the parking and interior lights came on. This allowed me to see two eyes reflecting in the middle of the road, about 10 to 15 feet from me. At first, I thought it was a deer, I have lived in Colorado and I'm accustomed to seeing wildlife. I instantly stopped and remained still as I didn't want to scare off what I thought was a deer. As my eyes glanced downwards, I noticed it wasn't a deer, it looked like a white, hairless naked man on all fours. It was at least 4 feet in height, on all fours. Probably be around 15 feet if it stood up. There was a brief moment as our eyes made contact. It then, as quickly as I have ever seen any animal, turned around, ran as fast as a cheetah away from me, and then, straight up a tree. I was frozen in disbelief. I said out loud to myself, you have to be flipping kidding me. Just as I was going to convince myself that this couldn't possibly be happening, it leapt from treetop to treetop and I could see its full outline as it did so. I've never heard of such a creature but, I have found some other videos and pictures online that look exactly like what I saw. The speed and strength it had is like nothing I'd ever heard of before. The creature was definitely solid, it appeared as if it was coming toward me, possibly hunting me? I don't know what stopped it. Was it the lights that went on? It had no visible genitalia, 
It had very human-like qualities. First, it was a new moon and I believe it was an eclipse that day as well. There was a creek across the street. I don't know if this has anything to do with my experience but, I was also a day for menstruating. If this had been a huge-eyed grey alien, it would have made more sense. I've heard of those but, this was unlike anything I've ever been familiar with. None of this makes sense to me, the speed, and agility of the creature and there shouldn't be any way that the treetops should have been able to hold the weight of the creature. It appeared to be flashing like a TV going in and out of reception as it sprinted up the tree. It also didn't appear to disrupt the foliage as it did so. I immediately called my father after I rushed back into my hotel room. My son was asleep and I was understandably in a state of shock. At this time, no one knew what hotel I was staying in. As I was crying on the phone with my father, the hotel phone rang. I answered it and it was only a dial tone. Then, there was a knock at the hotel room door. Once again, no one was there. At this point, my son woke up due to the commotion. I told him it was a scary dream. I gave my father the hotel information and he advised me to go wait in the lobby with my son. As we were leaving, there was another knock but, it was at the back sliding glass door that went out to a private fenced-in patio. This was a one-time encounter and it's unfortunate that I still live in fear of this experience. I was raised Christian, and this humanoid doesn't fit into any category with which I am familiar. I don't know why this happened and what I'm supposed to learn from it. In addition, the hotel phone number, I found out later, has six sixes in a row. I don't know if that has anything to do with what happened. I was always taught that demons can't have a physical body unless it's possessing someone. I can't imagine it flying a spacecraft due to its primal manner. Is it a trans-dimensional being? Nephilim? What was it going to do? Is it going to come after me again? Why didn't it do what it was set out to do? My previous beliefs about the world and the way things work has been tossed upside down. While it's thought-provoking, it's been very traumatic and has me in a panic state that's distracting and mostly negative. A friend and I loaded a couple of rifles in his Volkswagen Squareback to go up some logging roads, to try to find someone's marijuana crops and pick some. We drove these barren logging roads for about an hour and decided to pull over and smoke a joint. As he sat there waiting for me to roll the joint, we heard what sounded like rocks rolling down the hill behind us. I looked over my left shoulder and probably 100 feet or so behind us I saw what I thought was a bear laying on the road, apparently dazed from its slide or fall down the mountain. As this bear stood up, it turned toward us and just stared. I then realized instantly that this was no bear or ape I've ever seen before. This thing was probably 8 to 9 feet tall and maybe 600 to 800 pounds. I was so terrified. I even forgot we had rifles to fend this thing off or defend myself. It stood there looking at us. It seemed like a lifetime, but was probably only 5 to 10 seconds. It then turned down the mountain and kinda slid on its butt. As he did this, my partner started the car and we got the hell out of there. We didn't say a word to each other going back to town nor did we smoke any pot. We were driving home from our vacation in Florida. 
It was on Saturday, June 3, 2016. Just after dinner, around 8 p.m., we were passing through North Carolina on I-95. I was cruising along at around 70 miles per hour when I noticed a large camper in my rearview mirror. I moved to the right lane and thought nothing more of the vehicle as it passed me on the left. The interior was lit up, and all the blinds were down. I saw several silhouettes of people as the camper pulled ahead of and in front of my vehicle. As the camper began to pull away, someone stood up in the back, close to the rear door. All of a sudden, a pair of wings unfolded from the person's shoulder blade area. They were wide and membranous, with claws at a couple of points along the top edge. They reminded me of pterodactyl wings or thin bat wings. I could see enough light through them to make out the wing bones. That's not all. At the top of the man's head were two small curved horns. My first thought was that it was a gargoyle. I was shocked, to say the least. My family was asleep at the time. The wings appeared to be real, pulsing and flexing as the person or humanoid moved toward the front of the camper. As I wondered what to do next, the camper pulled off an exit and disappeared. To this day, I'd swear it was a being with real wings. Sir, I am 43 years old and come from a military family, with my maternal grandfather having possible ties to the US government and other extraordinary facts about him. Since the beginning of July 2013, I have had more obvious signs that something is going on while we sleep. On the morning of July 1, 2013, I woke up feeling more exhausted than usual. While walking to the restroom, I noticed a triangular-shaped, series of dots, bruise on my thigh, just above the right knee. Thinking that it was curious to have that shape there. About a week later, I had one on my other leg, the same shape and same size, and was more toward the inside of my thigh. I wake up with various bruising and that sort of thing, but never think that much about it. These things were coming to be more frequent and definitely more blatant. On the morning of August 17, 2013, I woke up to having a badly bloodshot, left, eye. It felt like I had something scratched it, even after it has appeared to heal. I also had small bruises and a strange series of puncture holes in a crescent shape on the top of my left thigh. The previous year, I can't give you a date, but sometime before September 2012, I woke up to a feeling like there was something in my left ear. I find it more than coincidental that this is my left thigh, crescent-shaped puncture wound, left ear, and left eye. I have not been to a doctor for several reasons. I don't have insurance, I don't like doctors, and I am afraid of what they might think and what they will do to me. On Sunday, August 31, 2013, one of my dogs who sleeps in my bedroom woke me up at about 4 a.m. in a panic. She was attempting to hide behind the nightstand, and panting. I took her to the emergency vet, and they found nothing wrong with her. That is when I decided to do more research and look for investigators, support groups, etc. Whatever was happening, it also affected my animals, and that is not okay. They cannot speak for themselves and I have no memories of anything, so I need to find out. I am finding it difficult to find anyone locally. It started almost 10 years ago and is still occurring, but to a lesser degree. Do you believe I am being abducted? 
If you can offer any help, I'd appreciate it. My father had just picked up equipment for a job up Dixie Mountain Road past the right fork of where the radio tower is on Upper Rocky Point Road. He was entering a bend in the road that took sharp left with old growth on the right. Second growth and more young deciduous on the left where this power line pole pretty much marked the belly of this turn. When heading back down Rocky Point, about 10 feet in front of my father's truck, what he only describes as a 4 to 5 feet tall creature with an ET-like head with matted down 3 to 4 inch brownish blonde hair crossed the road at a moderate pace. The creature entered the roadway from the old growth on the right to the area on the left. Before entering the thick brush within 10 feet of this pole the creature paused for roughly 20 seconds looking straight ahead into the brush, avoiding eye contact as my father very slowly made his way around the corner. This sighting was told to me by a man that I have known for over 20 years. We have hunted and fished many times together over the years and I have never known him to tell tall tales. He is very respected in the community where he lives. He said that he had been cutting a load of firewood and was coming down a dirt road that goes from the bottom of the canyon on the Snake River and goes up into the timber. He said that it was hunting season and from one place on this road he could look down the mountain and he thought he could see a bear by a salt box. These salt boxes are put out by ranchers to put blocks of salt out for cattle. He said his intention was to shoot this bear so he hurried down the road in his pickup. There are many switchbacks coming down this road and so at times he couldn't see this thing. When he finally could see it again he was about 400 yards from it. He said that it stood up on its hind legs and quickly walked about 40 to 50 yards where it went down into a steep creek bottom. He said that if it was a person that the person would have been dressed in dark brown or black clothing from head to foot all in one color. He said that it was over 6 foot tall. He also said that there were no other vehicles in this area and no other roads into this area. He said that he didn't stop and go look for footprints and that he just kept on driving past the spot but with a very funny feeling about what he had just seen. In the early spring of 1995, a friend of mine and I had just finished a construction job in Vancouver, Washington, and were heading back home to Oklahoma. We left Vancouver in the late afternoon and made our way down the highway that runs parallel to the Columbia River. I cannot remember the hash of the road, just after dark we approached, what the sign said was, the Columbia River Gorge. Seeing as how it was dark we did not see much. The road started to bend south a bit and we came to the first incline and in the headlights of my truck appeared this figure. At first I thought it was some animal that was crossing the road but as we got closer and the lights of the truck became more focused on it. We realized that it was not a common animal. It looked to be about 3 to 4 feet tall with the strangest red colored hair covering its body. But the thing is, it was sitting in the road facing us with one leg straight out and the other leg out to its right side. And it was trying to push itself up, as if it had been hit by a car. Well. I had to swerve into the other lane to avoid hitting the poor thing. All this took place in about a minute or so. My friend and I never said a word until after it was over a minute or so, I said Charlie, 
Did you see that? And he replied I wasn't going to say nothing till you said something, but yes. We thought right off of going back but had decided that since it was so small that mother could be nearby and we both, being avid hunters were armed but what we saw was no mule deer or bear or anything else that we had stalked in the past. So we kept driving just to be on the safe side. This happened a week or so ago. I don't know exactly what time it was, but it was dark. I live on a farm. I was walking home after putting our farm animals to bed when I passed an old, practically fallen down barn on our property. It's in bad condition. It nearly collapsed on my mother once upon a time. I glanced at the barn as I neared it, and witnessed a huge, bulky, maybe winged thing duck away into the barn incredibly fast. It seemed to me like it cowered away when I looked at it like it didn't want to be caught watching me. It was huge, seemingly too big to fit through the large open window at the front of the barn where it appeared to be perched. Its eyes were tiny and glistening white. Once I saw the thing, I ran as fast as I could for my house. I felt a sensation that made me feel like something was rushing towards me incredibly, but never reaching me. That's the only way I can explain it. I still don't like going outside on my own when it's dark, and that barn freaks me out a bit. Once in a while, I hear noises from seemingly within it. It sounds like somebody setting down a pile of wooden planks over and over. It could be an echo from elsewhere on the property, but I don't know. I also feel like it may have just been my mind playing tricks on me, but it seemed too unnaturally real. I feel like the barn is watching me whenever I pass it. I grew up listening to the eerie tales and legends that were woven into the very fabric of our small Irish village. One story that I still vividly remember is that of the widower and his late wife. In our village, there lived a couple who had a beautiful house but never had any children. The wife's death hit the husband hard, leaving him in a cloud of sorrow. She was buried far away, almost on the outskirts of another city. Yet, Whispers began to spread that the wife was visiting her husband every night, even in death. Residents living near the widower's house reported a terrible stench in the early hours, accompanied by mournful moans echoing through the darkness. They claimed to have seen a decaying figure entering the house on several occasions. Fearful of what might happen, the neighbors warned the widower about the strange nightly visitor. He, however, denied experiencing anything unusual. Suspicions grew among the villagers, who believed that the widower was hiding a macabre secret relationship with his deceased wife. One fateful night, they saw the rotting woman, covered in mud and dressed in rags, wandering close to the houses before making her way to the widower's home. As dawn broke, the villagers found muddy footprints leading inside the house, yet the widower still denied the rumors. No one could ever prove that it was, indeed, the late wife visiting her husband. But the legend persisted, and it's said that after the widower passed away, the ghostly woman was never seen again. Stories like these are a testament to the rich folklore that makes Ireland so enchanting. From tales of gnomes, elves, and leprechauns, there is no shortage of strange and mysterious beings that capture our imaginations. As I've grown older, I've come to appreciate these stories even more, 
recognizing that there is far more to the world than what meets the eye. And though these tales may send shivers down our spines, they also serve as a reminder of the magic and wonder that lie just beneath the surface of our everyday lives. One night about 3 a.m., while walking home from work to our apartment in Century Towers, Pitt Street, Sydney we saw what we jokingly referred to as Manbat. We lived in the then new Century Towers on the 52nd floor when staying close to work. One of our businesses was the Penthouse Gentlemen's Club a 24-7 day business that we normally took turns to manage, hence we kept an apartment in the busy city. My business partner Michael was an accomplished accountant, he finished second in the country in tax law and has an IQ of 185. I'm a more normal bloke who had a background in security and also owned a demolition company in Adelaide, South Australia. My point is we were both business type guys who, although drink on occasion, are not drug users and were very sober on this occasion. Anyhow that night we were walking home casually enjoying some friendly banner about our day and work. As we crossed the side street to our building I happened to look up, and only about one level or story above us, I clearly saw this humanoid creature gliding with wings fully outstretched. The wings were of membrane-type appearance and the head was scoping left to right as it glided around the corner of the opposite building to our apartment. The head or face wasn't human. It looked a little bit cone-shaped maybe even slightly reptilian and I didn't see the eye color. Quite frankly I was in shock and scared at the same time. It seemed that Michael and I quickened our stride toward our own building and I already had my pass in hand to swipe the security device to open the doors to our foyer. Meanwhile, we had both stopped talking, as we hurried into the well-lit lobby. We both acknowledged the night manager slash security on the way to the elevators. Once inside the lifts, Michael turned to me and said in a higher than normal excited voice, did you see that? What the F was that? I don't know what it was and it was many years ago now, in 2005. On occasion I've Google searched to see if anyone else has ever reported something similar and today is the first time I have, being your videos. I have studied various religions, their origins, and Gnostic teachings for many years and have my own theories but it's all guessing really. Anyhow thought I'd tell you for your own reference. Back when I was in high school some friends and I went out to get some food at about 2 am. While we were driving, one friend said something like, why is that guy out jogging at 2 am dressed like that? We looked and sure enough there was what looked like a guy dressed in all black including pants and a hoodie. We live in Phoenix and even at 2 am during the summer it's way too hot to be dressed like that. After about 30 seconds of this guy jogging by us though the driver mentioned that. Uh guys I'm going 45. How is he keeping up with us? We took the first turn we could and to this day I still don't know who what that was. Around 9 or 10 years ago, when I was 21, I used to play a lot of online poker. One night, it was pretty late, maybe around 3 am, and I decided to step outside for a smoke break. As I stood there, a little side street led into mine, and a strange van pulled out. It stayed there for a good 25 seconds, 
which I assumed was them scouting the area. I noticed they turned their heads towards me before driving off to the left. My neighborhood was usually quiet, and I didn't think much of it. However, a sudden uneasiness washed over me, and I couldn't shake the feeling that someone was watching me. Then, out of nowhere, a voice whispered my name directly into my right ear. I could feel the breath, the vibration of the voice, and its warmth. But when I looked around, there was no one there. Not a single soul. I checked my neighbor's front yard and my garage, but I found nothing. Feeling unnerved, I tossed my cigarette, went back inside, and logged off my computer. I couldn't shake the feeling that something was off. As I was shutting down the PC, the van slowly drove past my house again. To this day, I firmly believe that the mysterious voice saved me from something sinister. What could have happened if I hadn't heard it, I'll never know, but I'm grateful for that inexplicable intervention that night. My family and I used to live in a really old house built sometime in the 1830s. Hated the house from the day we moved in. It just had a really weird vibe to it and from the outside it looked a lot like the house in the first Conjuring movie, which did not really help. It did not take many weeks of living there before something happened. One night I woke up with a dark shadowy figure of a man in the middle of my bedroom. The figure was slowly walking towards me. I felt the most horrible sense of dread and fear that I have ever felt in my life. As the figure moved closer towards me I heard a loud whispering from multiple voices coming from everywhere in the room. My body was frozen and I could barely tilt my head and roll my eyes in horror. As the figure reached me it touched my chest, and as it made contact with me I felt this horrible sadness and emotional pain that I just cannot explain. Naturally I told my parents and wanted to switch bedrooms, but they never believed me. I had to sleep in that same room for three years before we finally moved away. I kept having horrible nightmares from time to time during those three years, and they always involved the same shadow figure attacking me in a number of ways. Since we moved I have never experienced anything like it again, which I am extremely grateful for. Before my current job, I had a series of odd jobs, one of which was as the night watchman at cemetery. The cemetery was very old and notoriously haunted, but both of my grandmothers, aunt and grandfather are buried there, so that gave me a sense of ease. Part of my job was to lock the front gate, then to drive throughout the cemetery and notify all visitors that we were closing and that they had to start getting ready to leave. Then I'd let them all out through the gate when I was done. While driving along a section of graves, I noticed an older woman walking along the path, very slowly, back to me. She was in my sight for over 100 yards, so I pulled up in my car, got out, took my eyes off of her for a moment and walked around the car. When I looked up she was gone. Vanished into thin air. I looked all over the area and there was absolutely no one in sight. It was unbelievable. Later that night, when my wife came to visit and bring me dinner, I noticed her grab her hair and look around. I asked what's wrong? She said nothing, it felt like my hair got caught in a branch so I said babe, look around the closest tree is 50 feet away. 
She insisted that she felt almost like a hand run its fingers through the top of her hair and pull on her ponytail. That's when I mentioned my experience about the old lady from earlier in the evening and we both were stunned. That was when I told the cemetery I would finish out the week and wouldn't be coming back. The following happened in my home, and involved both my sister and myself when we were very young. It was night time, around 9 to 10 o'clock. We lived in upstate New York towards the mountains, so it was always very quiet and isolated. To lay out ground zero for you, picture a dead-end hallway, 20 feet long, with three rooms leading off from it. Two smaller ones on the left, one large one on the right. My sister, who occupied the larger room, was just getting into bed. She had just called for my dad to come say goodnight. When the air turned freakishly cold the kind that stings at your eyes and makes you cough when you breathe it in. The kind necessary for turning soap bubbles into glassy orbs in the dead of winter. I remember watching from my bed as. It emerged from the upper hallway, creeping horizontally on the wall. It was facing into my sister's room, its back to me, slowly coming into her view as a ghostly white arm dragged it along the side of the wall as if gravity had shifted sideways in the specific area. I remember shouting for my sister, which alarmed her enough to shriek for my parents. Whatever it was heard me, and twisted its head around nearly 180 degrees to stare into my soul. It had these huge, hollow, and bottomless black eyes, and a mouth, which was twisted into something akin to a carnival mask's creepy smile, to match. If you've ever felt that something could kill you with but a stare, this was it. As soon as my father rushed the hallway, it vanished from sight however, the presence did not. My parents camped out in our rooms for hours, yet the sinister cold held fast. I have seen innumerable paranormal events living up in the mountains on a seventh generation farm but nothing I've ever been through can compete with what happened that night. There were four witnesses in all, two kids who saw it, and two adults who felt it. There was no precursor to its visit other than roughly three seconds of cold. No other warnings. No other signs. No random, freaky glitches in the matrix. Suddenly, it was just there and in all honesty, that's the most terrifying aspect of it all. After it supposedly left, the cold cleared on its own, and though the thermometers gave normal readings, it must have taken hours to feel like room temperature again. I was working at a mall under construction and it was slowly becoming winter where I am. So that means 5 p.m. the sun goes down and 6 p.m. is dark. It was after 5 p.m. and the mall didn't have lights, so we had to work by our work lights. We were the last guys on site, and because he is first aid, my boss and I could work alone. At one point my boss asked me to go do something in the bathrooms at the back. The bathrooms were down this long hallway, this really long hallway, lots of turns and such, with no lights besides my phone. So I got to the one bathroom and I was underneath the sink just trying to level out the counters when my phone crashed and it had to restart. I noticed I had like 4% battery, so I turned off the light and figured I'd open a door further down the hallway, and it would give me some light that I could get used to. At this point I just needed to silicon the counter to the cabinet, 
so I didn't need much light. I hear something down the hallway after like 5 minutes. I figured it was just my boss so I continued work. It was super dark at this point so any light from the outside was pretty much gone. I looked over to doorway, and I'm under the sink across the room, and in the doorway I can barely make out a huge person standing there. My boss was 5 feet 6, so it wasn't him. I laid there pretty freaked out and then the figure moved and I asked if someone was there. Then I heard running. Pitch black, footsteps hurriedly running away from me. I freaked out, so I went to call my boss cause he was like 10 minutes away from me and I didn't know where we was at the time, but my phone had died. So now I have to make it back to my boss, but there's someone in between me and him, cause the dude ran off away from the door. That walk back to my boss was probably one of the freakiest things cause I was expecting someone to jump out and stab me. I made it back to my boss and he's like oh you're finished and I told him my story. So he told me that we can just finish up tomorrow and we decided to leave. We packed our tools and brought them with us. The next day there was a toolbox meeting for all of the trades to attend, and some toolboxes had been stolen, as well as copper pipe. The door that I had opened for light the previous day led to an area where there was a lot of HVAC units. However, the area wasn't very sealed off, you could walk in off the street. What I think happened is, some dudes were stealing copper pipe in that area and when I opened the door they got spooked. So someone came in to check it out, and when they heard me ask, they booked it and went into the mall. When I left, they must have had another guy come in and help get some toolboxes, cause a big one was missing. I was super out of shape at the time and I was recovering from a dislocated pelvis that had been set recently, so it freaked me out cause if that dude fought me I would have died immediately. It was a chilly autumn night, and my girlfriend and I had just finished watching a movie at the local theater. As we walked to my car, we couldn't help but feel the eerie atmosphere that enveloped the town. The moon was full, casting an ethereal glow on the deserted streets. As I drove my girlfriend home, we chatted about the movie and our plans for the weekend. The conversation was light and easy, providing a welcome distraction from the unsettling ambience outside. As we turned onto a particularly dark stretch of road, I felt a shiver run down my spine. Suddenly, without warning, a transparent figure appeared in the middle of the road. It was a girl, with long flowing hair and a white dress that seemed to shimmer in the moonlight. I froze, unable to react, and before I knew it, my car had passed right through her. I glanced nervously in the rearview mirror, but there was no trace of the girl. I knew I hadn't hit anything, at least not anything physical. In a desperate attempt to make sense of what had just happened, my mind raced to find a logical explanation. Steam from a sewer? Fog? A plastic bag? I must be going crazy, I thought. The silence in the car was deafening as I struggled to find the words to say. Finally, my girlfriend broke the silence with a trembling voice, was that a ghost? I swallowed hard, my heart pounding in my chest. I, I don't know. I thought I was just imagining things, but if you saw it too. We exchanged a look of disbelief and fear, as the reality of our encounter sunk in. We had both seen the same apparition, and there was no denying it now. That night, 
Our drive home was filled with uneasy silence, punctuated only by our racing thoughts. I lived in a big 1840s colonial house with three of my friends for a while. It was set back in 50 plus acres of state wildlife property and it was a gorgeous house. The bedrooms were all upstairs and all lined up down the hall. Our third night in the house, right about 30 minutes after we had all sort of called it a night, my doorknob rattled, like someone was fiddling with it. Then I heard the door next to mine rattle, and the next, and the next, all the way down the hall one at a time. The next morning one of my housemates asked why I was messing with the doors, since she had asked the two guys in the house and neither of them knew what she was talking about. One night I woke up with an intense urge to get out of bed, like my brain screaming at me to get up. I laid still for a while thinking maybe I had been woken up by a noise but it was around 3am and dead quiet. I went into the hallway and as soon as I walked out into the hall all of my roommates opened their doors and came out too. We were all woken up but no one heard anything, and they had the same urgent get up feeling I did. We just shrugged and went back to sleep. Weird things would happen there. Strange objects would show up in the basement or crawl space, like old old suitcases or a kid's rocking chair, once a vase, just random stuff. You would occasionally hear footsteps running down the bedroom hall and down the stairs if you were in the living room below. I could go on. That house was really strange. Never felt threatened, just weird. I've always been told that I tend to sleep talk, but I never really believed it until my roommate complained about my constant chatter. Intrigued and a bit embarrassed, I decided to download an app to record my sleep talking, hoping to finally understand what I was saying during the night. I set up the app on my phone and placed it on my nightstand before going to bed. I must admit, I was both curious and nervous about what I might hear the next morning. My sleep was restless filled with strange dreams and a feeling of unease. When I woke up, I hesitated for a moment before reaching for my phone. The app showed several recordings from throughout the night. I played the first one, and there I was, mumbling incoherently about some nonsense. I chuckled to myself, relieved that it was just harmless gibberish. But then, I played the next recording. To my surprise, I heard a deep male voice speaking from what sounded like the other end of the room. My heart raced, and a chill ran down my spine. The voice was unfamiliar, and there was no way someone else could have been in my room. I live alone, and I always lock my doors and windows before going to bed. The voice in the recording was unnerving, speaking in a tone that sounded both menacing and oddly calm. I couldn't understand what the man was saying, but it felt like he was speaking directly at me, almost as if he was taunting me. I played the recording again and again, trying to figure out if there was some sort of logical explanation for it. But no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't come up with a rational reason for the voice. There was no one else in my apartment, and the voice was definitely not mine. When I was younger I saw a demonic possession. More accurately I saw someone who was possessed. I've talked and written about this before, but as of late I've wanted to talk about it again. 
apologies in advance if there are any issues with my typing, I'm on mobile. So I was young, I can't say exactly what age, but my brother, five years my elder, was old enough to operate the soundboard at the church my family attended. This was a night service on Sunday, around 6 p.m. in either late fall or early winter. I remember that when services ended it was dark out, but not dead of night dark and services ended at around 8 p.m. Me and my brother were in the back of the room where services were held by the sound board. My grandfather, who was watching us is also the pastor at said church. He was, and still is, a man of dogma and strong faith who has told stories about demonic possessions, faith healing, and divine intervention. My grandfather was in the back with us making sure that my brother understood what he had to do to operate the soundboard and I was trying to learn a thing or two about it, since the large board of dials and levers looked like magic to me. In walks a woman. This woman is young, maybe 25, but she looks bad. Her hair is disheveled, she's got bags under her eyes, and she looks very pale. However, she does not look homeless. She's wearing nice clothes, lifts, and some jewelry. I don't recall having seen this woman before. She quietly takes a seat at the front of the room by the altar and pulpit. Service begins with 10 minutes of hymns as usual from these thick green books that the church has about a hundred of. The woman doesn't stand or participate, but she's quiet and not distracting. Then my grandfather takes to the pulpit. He begins his sermon, which I can't remember what it was on because I was focused on the woman who was now rocking in her seat. Weird. My brother is trying to get the recording hardware attached to the sound system to work. The issue isn't that it won't record however, the issue is that when my brother put a disc in to record, it broke. It was fine for the morning service and no settings were touched on the recording system. The disc literally broke in half. Service goes on with the woman getting more distracting until the service ends and me and my brother are escorted out. Everyone else goes home without staying to talk, which is unusual. I sat on the walkway with my brother and grandmother outside the church while my grandfather and the officers of the church were inside with the woman. I could hear verses from the Bible being recited, screaming, and I saw the lights flickering through the window in the door. About 10 minutes later they all come out and the woman looks much better. The bags under her eyes are gone, her hair is still a mess but it looks shinier and healthy, and she thanks my grandfather before getting into her car and leaving. I'd fully say this was just a woman with mental illness if not for the way the sound system acted and the way that she changed when all was said and done. To start off, I'd like to make it clear that this was my first schizophrenic episode. At the time, I had no idea I had the condition. It had been a stressful day, and I desperately needed a break. I decided to pull over into a forested park to take a walk and clear my mind. The calming atmosphere of the woods seemed like the perfect remedy for my frazzled nerves. After a while, I headed back to my truck, feeling a bit more relaxed. But as I approached, I saw something that stopped me dead in my tracks. There was a man hanging from a tree nearby. Panic surged through me, and I couldn't take my eyes off the gruesome sight. The man's head appeared to be decomposed, his mouth hanging open in a grotesque way. 
He was wearing a navy blue mechanic jacket with a name tag, and his lower body was missing. Terrified, I scrambled back into my truck and hid below the back seats. My heart pounded in my chest, and I couldn't shake the horrifying image from my mind. I stayed there, hidden and trembling, for eight straight hours. Eventually, I learned that what I had seen was just a mind-created illusion, a result of my first schizophrenic episode. But even though it wasn't real, the vivid memory of that horrifying scene still haunts me to this day. The PTSD it caused remains a constant reminder of the power and fragility of the human mind. I had just finished doing laundry in the basement, and as I gathered my clothes, I couldn't help but feel a chill run down my spine. I had always been slightly unnerved by the basement, but today the feeling was stronger than ever. Despite my discomfort, I shrugged it off and began my ascent towards the staircase. As I walked, I suddenly noticed something out of the corner of my eye. I turned my head, and to my utter disbelief, I saw a misty apparition floating in the air. It was the ghostly figure of a head, adorned with a powdered wig reminiscent of the 18th century. I couldn't believe my eyes, and I stood there frozen, as the mysterious figure drifted slowly across the room. I blinked a few times, trying to convince myself that it was just a figment of my imagination, but the apparition remained, very much present and real. It was as if it was beckoning me to follow, and I couldn't help but feel strangely drawn to it. The ethereal figure continued to float, moving closer and closer to the wall. I held my breath, unsure of what would happen next. As the apparition reached the wall, it didn't stop, instead, it disappeared right into it, as if the solid barrier was of no consequence. I stared at the spot where the ghostly figure had vanished, trying to make sense of what I had just witnessed. I couldn't help but wonder if the apparition was somehow connected to the house's history, or if it was a message from the past, attempting to reach out to me. With a racing heart and questions swirling in my mind, I made my way up the stairs and back to the safety of the main floor. But one thing was for certain, I would never forget the day I encountered the mysterious, powdered wig apparition in the basement. I was sitting in the campus cafeteria with my friend, Sarah, when she began to recount a terrifying experience she had just a few days earlier. She had gone to the fifth floor toilet in the main building, expecting nothing out of the ordinary. As she opened the door, she glanced at the large rectangular mirror above the sinks and saw something that made her blood run cold. In the mirror's reflection, there was a dark figure, slumped over the top of one of the toilet stalls. Sarah, usually the type to scream and curse, was paralyzed with fear. She couldn't move or make a sound. Instead, she simply closed the door and walked out, her face pale and her eyes wide. As she finished telling her story, our composition teacher, Ms. Adams, happened to walk by and overheard us. Intrigued, she sat down and shared a story of her own. She told us about one of her students who claimed to see dead people. This student, who played the piano, would often practice in the rooms of the sixth building on campus. One day, she confided in Ms. Adams that every now and then, while she practiced, a row of dead people would appear, just standing there and watching her play. 
At first, Ms. Adams thought the student was merely seeking attention, but as the girl described the dead people in more detail, she began to wonder if there might be some truth to the story. As the conversation continued, we all shared stories of strange and eerie encounters on campus. We laughed nervously, trying to brush off the fear and unease that had settled over us. But deep down, we couldn't shake the feeling that there was something more to these stories, a hidden world of spirits and entities, lurking just beyond our understanding. From that day on, the atmosphere on campus felt different. Every time I walked past the main building's fifth-floor toilet or the piano rooms in the sixth building, I couldn't help but feel a chill run down my spine, and the haunting stories shared by my friend and teacher replayed in my mind. My mom's house on her college campus in Ohio had a friendly ghost that would hide things, flip things upside down, turn on lights, etc. She and her roommates named the ghost Mary and called her their paranormal roommate. Flash forward to their 10-year reunion and all the roommates visit the house and talk to the current residents, all boys, and upon mentioning the ghost they were shocked to find out the boys also knew about the ghost and named it Jerry. Flash forward another 5 years and the girls living in the house have named the ghost Carrie. Coincidence that all of the names rhyme? I think not. This one time I had to wake up by 4 a.m. and leave by 5 a.m. I got shower, breakfast, take my stuff and leave my home. It's summertime so it's dark. I lock the door, walk down the hallway and turn left to reach the elevator's hall. Put my bags down push the button for elevators and when I turn around to go back to the opposite wall I completely froze as I saw a very round head with big bright round eyes, less than 30 centimeters above the ground and partially hidden around the corner staring at me. I recovered my breath and in curiosity I stepped towards the creature to see what it was. An alien, a garden gnome someone left for prank some other bizarre creature? After my first steps I heard sounds of steps coming from the hall where the head was staring at me and I felt another chill down my spine. The steps were coming closer and I was scared to death and curious to see what it was. Around the same time the head turns back and then it came forward revealing to be my neighbor's cat and the steps were from my neighbor. I never felt so scared to death and curious at the same time in my life. Now I know if I really see an alien I would go towards instead of running away. It was really scary and interesting at the same time. 